I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. I'm so glad to see each and every single one of you here this morning. I just wanted to start this morning by taking a moment and celebrating how good the last eight days have been in the life of our church. Um, last week, last Saturday, Horizon hosted a community Easter egg hunt at Friendship Park. We welcomed probably, we didn't count, um, but it was a lot of people. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we think nearly 400 people. Uh, we gave out over 150 treat bags to kids who hunted eggs. We made um, tons of family photos. There was games. There was um, just fun and socializing. We had a great day. The weather was perfect. Um, so thank you to each of you who came and, and volunteered or just were a part of that. I got messages all week long about how excited people were to just be a part of something in the community. They said thank you to your church for being a, a church that cares about our community. A lot of them had not been to Easter egg hunts hosted by churches because they didn't know what to expect, but we were a place um, where they could experience community and love. So thank you for being those kinds of, uh, of folks. Last week, we welcomed over 180 adults and 62 children. So 240 people were here to celebrate that Christ the Lord is risen indeed. Um, and, and that's a sign as we are a new grant, like, I mean, we're less than a year old church. And that, those are the kinds of numbers that we need to sustain this movement. So we're excited for people to be here on Sunday mornings and worship. But we're really excited because these kinds of numbers allow us to be the kind of church that BT Washington can call and say, hey, we need some help with a teacher appreciation dinner. Or Faith Cafe can say, hey, we know that we have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches going home with the folks who are our guests today. So thank you for being a church who's sustaining a movement that truly shines light and ignites change in our community. On Thursday at 81 Bay Brewery, 23 people gathered to make 200 peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for folks experiencing homelessness. And we're continuing to figure out what it looks like to continue to address hunger and homelessness in our city. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this movement. We're starting a new series today called Contagious. We're going to look at the things we do to spread love and affect change, um, especially to spread that love and change that is offered to each of us through Jesus Christ. We know that we live in a community and a world that is desperate for hope and love and peace, for healing and recovery. And we believe that the message of Jesus is contagious. Um, we believe that everyone in Tampa and beyond needs to hear this and experience it. Um, experience this light and change. And so what are, the, what are the small ways we can do that? We're going to look at that this week. What are the small ways we can do that? We're going to look at over the next couple of weeks, what are some big ways that we can also begin to impact the world and this movement become contagious. Um, just a word to the wise, if you ever start a church or become a pastor and you are a parent to toddlers, be careful what you name your sermon series um, because um, ear infections and stomach bugs are indeed contagious um, and they will spread through your home if you name your sermon series that. Um, this has been a rough week at our house. Um, but we picked the name for this series uh, a couple months ago. And the idea behind it was that tr there's truly this movement of Jesus Christ um, being raised up from the dead. In the early days, this message was truly contagious. Like it spread through villages and stuff like wildfire. These folks were hopeless and desperate for something new and a, a message of hope and peace and love. And this message that Jesus Christ offered was, was spreading like wildfire. And so what does that offer to us in a world where people are hopeless and desperate? What does it look like for us to spread this message and it become contagious? So I thought I would start today by looking at a few things this month that have been viral, viral and 
contagious. Those are words that are often used interchangeably. Um, so I thought I would look at a few things that have gone viral this week. This first photo is a picture of what a woman of a uh, April Fool's joke. Let's see if we can pull it up. Sorry. Is it, or is it, oh no! Oh, that's from the Easter egg hunt. Okay, that was not the April Fool's joke, Richard and Bailey. Um, but <laughs> yeah, oh, these are some of our Easter photos. Um, and this is peanut butter and jelly. Sorry. Okay, go back to the other photo. This, okay, so this photo was vi- went viral. It was shared, I can't even remember how many times. It was an April Fool's joke that a woman played on her husband. So these boxes are actually empty. They do not have things in them. Um, but it was like the source of all kinds of memes. Um, I, the husband apparently arrived home and did not think it was an April Fool's Day joke. Anybody else here order off Amazon Prime? And this maybe is not an April Fool's Day joke at your house. Um, but something about this image resonates with people, right? The, the honesty and uh, trueness <laughs> of this sort of resonates with us, makes us laugh and giggle. This next one is a picture of the, um, this is the rose stained glass window at the Notre Dame Cathedral. It was shared hundreds and hundreds of times after the Notre Dame Cathedral um, went up, experienced that devastating fire. Um, so this picture was shared multiple times, and I think it's just a, I think there's something about this image, and the reason it was shared and went viral is because it, it resonates with some kind of hope that we have, um, some kind of, of sense of peace that, that this offers us. This um, next video um, also went viral. So this guy who moved his chemo appointment for the cap, this was in Raleigh. That's Nathaniel. Nathaniel is the son of a woman that I taught with for a year, and he's fighting leukemia currently. And this image went viral. The, it, the, um, it was tweeted by the NHL and shared like over 1,300 times. Um, and I know why, like as an outsider, I look at this and say that's powerful. This kid got to experience a hockey game in the middle of chemo treatment. Um, but I know the pain that this family has been through, and I know that the joy that you see on these faces Um, was something that was deep and meaningful to them. But this is why things go viral, right? Just ordinary, normal, everyday things. A hockey game, a stained glass window, (laughs) a funny April Fool's Day joke. But something about them being saturated with love and resonating with the deep emotions that we have is what causes things to go viral. Normal, everyday moments are shared over and over and over again because of the light that is offered to the world. The way things catch on and spread is because it exceeds this point where it can be quarantined or contained any longer. People are like, share, retweet, um, you know, like, forward, whatever, because they want this this image of light and, and stuff to be shared. This is exactly the kind of thing that God is asking us to be a part of today. God's asking us to join this movement that'll be contagious, to shine light and ignite change in this city and in this community in fairly normal, everyday ways that are just absolutely saturated with love and grace and hope. And in a world filled with people who are desperate for love and hope and community, our message, the things that we offer here are a recipe for going viral and being contagious. Today we're going to look at some things that we can do daily to offer this to a world um, that needs it. But I, I, just want, I just want you to think back even this week where maybe you had some moments where you could have shared love and grace and hope and peace in your world and maybe you missed 
those moments. Um, Chris and I are, are pastors starting a new church, and we're always dreaming really big, like what's the next big impactful thing Horizon can do? And we realized this week at dinner we missed an opportunity to share that same love and grace and peace that we want to share with this city and with the world. We missed sharing it with our kids because we were so busy talking about work and getting wrapped up in things. I, I go to Tawa to write a, talk, to write a sermon uh, to coffee shop in South Tampa, and I'm in there like writing away, studying, trying to figure out how to make these big, impactful points, praying, right? And I missed that my barista looked at me and said, Erica, my boyfriend and I broke up this week, and all I had to do was take a moment and talk to her, and instead I picked my coffee up and went back to my table. The little things that we do to shine light and ignite change actually do have a profound impact. And so I'm just here to say this morning that I think that Jesus has called us to pay attention to those moments. Where are we missing that? In the line at Publix or Target? Who are we? Is there an old woman who you may be the only person who speaks to her that day and you just take your shopping cart and you go on by when it might just take two seconds to smile and connect with her? I met with Bill Carlson, our future city council chairperson here for South Tampa. I met with him this week, and we're having coffee, and, you know, I want to talk about these big, awesome things that he's going to do for South Tampa. And we're sipping coffee, and he looks at me, and he says, Erica, do you know what the biggest issue is in South Tampa? And I'm, like, about to blurt out, yes, um, every time it rains, my street floods. And, uh, <laughs> but I didn't say, before I could say it, he said, Erica, 70% of the people who live in Florida aren't from here. And of the 30% who are from here, most of them are living in a place where they didn't grow up. So people are lonely, and they're searching for community. And here in our community, people are starving to make an impact in the world. They want to have a purpose and meaning, and they don't have it. And I was like, oops, glad I did not say stormwater damage. That seems kind of trivial right now. But I'm, right, I'm the pastor, and we miss these opportunities to shine light and ignite change because we're concerned about such big things. And I believe Jesus is asking us to pay attention to the small ways that we can shine light and ignite change in our world. That this message of hope and peace and love is not quarantined or contained here anymore, but that it goes, it goes viral. Um, last week we talked about the very big and profound act that started this viral movement, right? Jesus died and was rose again. Um, a group of women went to the tomb, his, his body wasn't there, and it started the greatest good news ever. Um, this week, we're going to talk about a group of guys who hadn't seen Jesus' body raised yet. They hadn't experienced it yet. They were actually kind of sad. They didn't know if they believed the women's story that he wasn't in a tomb, and so they're walking out of town. They um, have, have buckled up their sandals, and they're walking out of town. I kind of get this because when I'm overwhelmed, things are, like, stressing me out. You can find me lacing up my running shoes and hitting the road. Um, I want to get out of town, right, um, get some exercise. And these guys, that's exactly what they did. They buckled up their sandals, and they're like, let's go for a walk. Let's, let's walk to the next village and, and see what happens. And so I want you to read along um, in the scripture with me. It's Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read off the screen if that's okay. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped and their faces were downcast. The one named Cleopas 
That's a good name, isn't it? The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who's unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? And he said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning, and they didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who told them he's alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then he, inter- he, interpret- he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all of the prophets. And when they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with him, he took the bread, he blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight, and they said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Did y'all hear how this message of profound hope started? It started with a walk, a real conversation, and a meal. Plain and simple things that we all do. Probably some of us have done them this morning. Went on a walk. You've had a conversation with somebody, you've eaten a meal. Little things done with the right intention can go viral. They can become contagious and change the world. But these things, a walk, a meal, a conversation, they become something more when they're saturated with the love and grace and light and hope of Jesus Christ. And they become contagious and they resonate with people. Here is what I believe that God is inviting us to do this morning through Jesus Christ. The first thing that I think God is asking us to do is to connect, to connect with other people. To start with, these guys are walking, and it says they they were prevented from recognizing who Jesus was. They didn't know who he was, but Jesus comes right up alongside them, and he walks with them, and he talks with them, and he starts a conversation. And Jesus, who was just raised from the dead, had every right to say, Hey, guys, it's Jesus just raised from the dead, but he didn't. Instead, he took a moment to connect with them and where they were. This is a very strong sign, I believe, for us who are Christians about how to spread our message. Maybe the first thing we do isn't, um, let me tell you about Jesus, but instead, hey, how are you? He took some time to connect with them, to hear about their hopes that had been destroyed because he was crucified. They were hopeless and they were downcast. He took a moment to connect with them as he walked. He asked the men, like, what's going on? Why Why is your faith downcast? And then he listened to them. He cared about them. He attempted to really connect with them. And they responded to Jesus, right? They began to have a real conversation. My hopes and my dreams were destroyed. I'm not doing so well today, friend. 
and he listened to him, and he talked to him, and he explained that things would get better. But Jesus took a moment to understand what they were really experiencing that day. This week, this very week, you are going to have an opportunity to ask someone else how they're really doing. You're going to have some opportunity to actually connect with someone. I encourage you, slow down and really listen to them. Take a second. Pay attention for a chance to go deeper. Let me tell you, it might be awkward if you do this with a stranger to start with, because we're not used to that. We're used to the, hi, how are you, and passing on by. But what does it look like if, the, if just the people in this room took a second to connect with somebody who's experiencing this loneliness that we just talked about, one of the biggest problems in our community? What does it look like if we take just a second to be like Jesus and connect with people where they are? I believe taking a moment to really connect can serve as, as a moment to make this message of hope and grace and love that we know so well be contagious and viral and spread. And I encourage you to do this this week at Publix or Target or at work, even with your family, right? Some, that's some of the places in our home and in our most intimate relationships. That's the place where we don't bother to connect or to ask how things are really going. What does it look like this week for you to take some time to really connect with someone else? This movement isn't just about becoming contagious for the people out there. All of the research shows that when we begin to truly connect with people, that our health is benefited from it, right? Loneliness is, un, is as unhealthy for you as smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. That's, that's what, that is what the research shows. We have an opportunity to impact that and affect that in our own community. And that's what, that's what I believe God wants in our community, is healthy people who are connected. Because that actually provides the cornerstone, the bedrock, for us to continue this movement to shine light and ignite change. We all get benefits from connecting with one another. The second thing that Jesus does, so the first thing he does is connect. He takes a moment to actually connect with people. And the second thing he does is he lingers. The guys were like, can you stay with us just a little longer? And Jesus does. I sometimes am that person that lingers a little too long at your house, and you're like, you can go now. But what does it look like this week for us to linger? We're always rushing to the next place, right? We never actually take time to connect because we've got the 8,000 more things that we had to do. Jesus could have told everybody there that he was risen from the dead. That's what he, he could have ran ahead and told all the people on this road to Emmaus. But what did he do, y'all? He stayed and he lingered with his friends. He took the time to connect with them and to talk to them. What does it look like this week for you to linger a little bit? When you're at the park and you're ready to rush home, what does it look like for you to linger a little bit? I hope it's temper tantrumless. Um, but if it's not, what does it look like to just connect with somebody on a real level because you, you lingered? What does it look like to spend five extra minutes with somebody when you're at coffee, even though you have five more things to do? What does it look like to slow down just a little bit and to linger? When I was preparing this sermon this week, when I was looking at this sermon series, what I was expecting God to tell me over and over and over again is if, if you do more and more and more, just cram more and more into your schedule, Erica, and this movement will become contagious. Y'all keep growing and igniting change and shining light all over Tampa. But instead, what God showed me every time is that the way we shine light and ignite change in this movement becomes contagious is, is we connect with people and we linger, that we, we continue to do the things we're already doing. We just do it with a little more intentionality and we slow down just a little bit. What does it look like for you to connect and to linger this week? And the third thing that Jesus showed us is what it looks like to be interrupted. Last week, 
If you were here for Easter, I talked about how Jesus disrupted our lives with the resurrection, how everything changed after that, our, our plans for the day and the week and the, the month. The, these women's lives were completely disrupted and changed. And again, here Jesus is interrupting the lives of people. I read this week that you have to hear something seven times before it clicks. So you're probably going to hear me say, Jesus is in the interruptions of your life five more times over the next few weeks. Because when you take a moment to recognize the interruptions, you're going to see God. And I, I'm telling you, I'm a person who likes to rush through things and don't pay attention to the interruptions. This very, mo- this very morning, we're getting in the car, getting ready to come to church, and I'm like, kids, in the car, let's go. And they don't know what I'm saying when I say that to them, but we kind of toddled out towards the car. And David walks through the grass in his nice dress shoes, gets his feet all wet, and he goes to smell the flowers by our oak tree. And I'm like, get in the car. And Chris is like, he's smelling the flowers, Erica. Pay attention to the interruptions in your life. What is Jesus offering you in the places where you are having an interruption? You're five minutes late. Look up. Is there somebody there who needs to hear, who needs to be connected with? Is there, you're, you're ten minutes early. Is there some way you can put your phone down and find some way to linger, not be creepy, but... Is there some way that God is offering you to be really intentional in the small ways that you're already doing to connect with people so this movement may become contagious? I I was thinking about um, the ways that I have experienced connection and interruption and lingering in my own life and the ways that Jesus showed up. And when I was in middle school, when I was in college, I was a middle school education major and I spent a semester student teaching at a middle school in Chapel Hill, and at the same time, I was also interning with a youth group at the local, at a local church there. My best friend and I interned together. His name was Zach Adrian. He's actually from, he spent some time here in Tampa. He introduced Chris and I. He technically probably introduced me to Tampa, and that's why I fell in love with it, Um, but Zach and I interned together with this youth group, and we would always um, walk to school, walk to youth group together from his apartment. And I was telling him about this kid in my class named Michael who never did his homework. He had no friends. He didn't smile very much. He didn't talk very much. And I would had a really, I'll just be honest, I'd had a really good teaching experience up until Michael came into my class. He he moved into the school in February. That's halfway through the semester. I didn't know what to do with that interruption, to be honest with you. He wasn't fitting into my syllabus or my plan. Um, I And he just, he wasn't engaging. He never, ever turned in a homework assignment. He had like a 22 out of 100 in my class. It was just a, it was not a great experience. And I'm telling Zach all about this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And to be honest with you, Zach, I told him, I was like, I've looked at his school record, and all he does is move around from place to place to place. Is it even really worth it for me to figure out how to connect with this kid? And Zach looked at me, and he was like, Erica, who are you? You are the kind of person who doesn't give up on people. What kind of conversation is this, yes, you should try harder. And so we go into youth group that day. We were helping, you know, Zach was in charge of food. I was in charge of games. We're getting everything set up. The kids come in. It's time to start. No Zach. I can't find him anywhere. So the kids, we pray over the dinner. They eat their dinner. You know, we're all sitting there eating our plates. And I'm like, where is Zach? It's like time for games, and I don't see Zach. And, y'all, I kid you not, I cannot make up a story. Zach walks out of the back of the kitchen with Michael, my student with a plate of food, and he sits him down and introduces him to my friends. Zach has no idea this is the kid that we've talked about on the way to youth group. 
that day. He sits down, the kids are talking to him, and he says, he says, Erica, I need to see you. And I was like, okay, I, I like, I'm not speechless often, y'all. I had no idea what to say. He's like, I need to see you in the kitchen. And he takes me to the back corner of the church kitchen, and Michael's mom and sister are eating the leftover food that we had because they came to the back door of the church. And they asked Zach if we had any food or could figure out a place to help them stay for the night. So Zach encouraged Michael to come and be a part of the youth group. And his mom was just taking a respite and eating dinner, <laughs> leftover youth dinner with his sister in the back corner of the kitchen. The next week, he joined in youth group. We had a great time. They got ready to leave. A, another pastor came in and helped them find a place to stay for the night. But we lingered for a few minutes and talked. And I, Michael even made a joke. He was like, it's nice to see that some kids actually like you, Miss Little. <laughs> and I was like, that is not funny. <laughs> he thought it was really funny. Um, but it, it was a moment where my life was interrupted and disrupted, and I told Zach, I was like, this is the Michael that I was telling you about. Monday morning, uh, Michael came into class, and he was a different kid. My supervising teacher is like, what happened to him? He's like excited and, and talking to kids, and he was like excited to see Miss Little. He was like, what has happened to this kid? And I was like, Mr. Von Hayne, you are not going to believe this story. And I realized that just taking a moment to connect with Michael on a different level, just taking a second to be open to the interruption. Zach did not have to open the back door of the kitchen and let this family come in and have a meal. My youth group was awesome in welcoming this kid as part of the community. Like, they changed his life in a day, making him feel like he was a part of a community. No one had to be open to these connections or these interruptions. No one had to linger and talk to him. But for some reason, a group of us who were committed to love and light and change and the message of Jesus Christ actually being spread in the world for a moment, we took a second to connect, to be open to the interruption and to linger, and Jesus showed up. What I'd like to be able to tell you is that Michael and his family found permanent housing and Michael went on to have really good grades, but that's not what the story is. Michael was at our church for seven more weeks. He continued to come to youth group. They continued to eat dinner in the back of the kitchen with us. Michael joined an after-school program, was actually able to complete most of his homework, and he actually helped us change the after-school program to provide some free snacks because we realized that asking kids to pay for snacks in an after-school program is not always a great, great idea. But Michael moved, you know, seven weeks later, so he was just in and out. But I believe that the small things we did in normal ways, like we walked to church like normal that day. There's no reason that Zach and I should have had that conversation, but we talked about that on the way um, to, ch to church that day. There was no, a family, a needy family comes to church. That's actually a pretty normal thing when you have a building. A family knows that when they're in need, this might be the greatest place that we can find the things we need. And Michael showed up that day and found more than he needed, right? He found love and community and acceptance because a group of us were open to connection and lingering and disruption. I don't know how Michael's story ended, but I do know this. A youth group, one of the members in the youth group started a program with kids who are in poverty in North Carolina and is running this incredible after-school program in rural areas of North Carolina. I can tell you that my life was changed because I realized the church ought not let those people in the back door. We ought to be making the front door really wide open and saying, hey, what does it look like for folks who need community and food and love to come through the front door? Zach's life was changed that day. We could not believe 
that the kid we talked about showed up at our youth group. Mr. Von Haney went to church the next Sunday because he couldn't believe it. He said, I've not been to church in 10 years, and me and my family went to church the next Sunday because I actually believe God puts things together. These were normal, everyday things that were just saturated with God's love and grace and purpose and peace. And here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. I believe that God wants to use each of you in small ways to do profound things that spread love and grace and peace to a world that desperately needs it. If you're hungering for community and starving for purpose, God has you here for a reason. God has you here for a reason. Look around. There are lots of other people like you who want that. And we all want to actually make these signs what we do beyond this place on Sunday mornings. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you use normal, everyday people like us to shine light and ignite change. And we ask you this morning just to make us open this week to the places where we can connect and linger and be open to the interruptions that you have for us. Use the small things we do with our families, with our friends, with our closest relationships, with the people around us to impact this, your world, in profound ways, God. Saturate the normal, everyday things that we do with love and grace. And make us people who share that with a world that needs it. Amen.